to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. Protonic Reversal. With your host, Conan Neutron. Broadcasting from a secret underground lair in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rotten about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. The thing is, though... If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. Confidence of a hero or a fool, I wasn't exactly certain which. Could not be more professional. That's like a science thing, right? Indeed, indeed, indeed it is. It is a science thing. It is a science place. It is a scientific fact. See, we're all up in your face. It is time once again for the one, the only, Protonic Reversal. Welcome to it, welcome to it, and additionally, welcome to it. Tonight's special episode. Uh, it's, uh, it's a guy I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. Mike Kunko from uh, Godhead Silo. Enemy Mine, Smoke and Smoke, Dead Low Tide, so many different bands. And we will get right to him right after I read this robotic spiel that doesn't feel normal at all for me to be reading off yet. <clears throat> Welcome to Kona Neutron's Protonic Reversal. I am your host, Kona Neutron. I am a rock and roll lifer who has toured and recorded for over 22 years. Most known for the band Kona Neutron, The Secret Friends. Music is a huge part of my life, and he's the format of this very long-running podcast to talk about music with musicians whose work I enjoy and respect. Folks that may or may not be household names, but do something very special. This is episode 298. If this is your first time listening to the show, all the archives are at protonicreversal.com and are always free. No ads, no sponsors, no kidding. If you'd like to support the show and get episodes sooner, you can give $1 a month to patreon.com slash Reversal. And if you like the show or even just a single episode, please feel free to share it along, like, subscribe, or post a review. All that helps people find the show. And it's just a darn nice thing to do. It really is. So there you go. That was a little ado. So without further ado, let's talk uh, right now to uh, Mike Kunka. How you doing, man? Oh, let me unmute you. There you go. That's better. <laughs> Uh, so good to see you. Uh, are you, are you, are you with us? Everything okay? Are you, are you glitching? Are you making a glitch record? What's happening? I mean, glitch. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Am I glitching? Sorry. You're, you're glitching. Just, just, just yeah, I was going to say like, okay. it's, I'm, I'm, it looks like you're in a cabin. So like, it's, uh, you know, I don't know if that's yeah. true or not. I bet it. So in cabin, this is what you get. You live in the woods. Am I, if I'm going to glitch too much, I might be able to head somewhere uh, else to get better. In it, it, it seems to have gotten Sorry. better. We'll, uh, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll see. Uh, sure. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I'll be the judge of that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so great to have you, man. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on the show. Sure. I was sure. listening the other day to uh, Skyward and Triumph and thinking 
how absolutely gloriously beautiful and what a statement of, of purpose and intent to a certain degree the guardians of the threshold hmm. is uh, <laughs> that's that's a super long that's the that's long a really long one yeah the one that just is it's like an entire mood yeah. as the kids might say uh, uh, and that was one of the first uh godhead silo songs that i heard actually and i was like wow these guys <laughs> what what are, what are they yeah. up to? this is crazy uh that is a band that when you talk to true heads like either folks that uh knew the band or saw the band way back when you get an outsized reaction a positive one like you get people people are just like wow god has they're amazing they were they did their you know they did it <laughs> uh did it feel we like tried it. We tried it. <laughs> yeah we tried to do it I think, uh, so, I mean, did it, did you, did you do it? No, <laughs> did, did, did you, uh, do you feel like, something. <laughs> do you feel like, uh, the legacy of God has silo? Do you like, uh, you know, like you made some records, you know, have you influenced some mm -hmm. bands, uh, were good, good times were had, like we laughed and laughed. I mean, mm -hmm. what could tell me about what do you, when you think about when someone brings up God has silo? Oh, hmm. it depends who brings it up, I guess. You know, like um, my current life, I feel like I've lived like 20 different lives in that one. And in my current life, nobody really knows that I did that. So right. um, like in my work life, and it helps me to not have to explain it to people that wouldn't understand. I, 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 because I'm super, super proud of it, right? So, like, talking to you about it is really awesome because you know what it is. Yeah. But, so I work in a school and, like, at the lunch lady, like, I'm not going to talk to the lunch lady about Skyward and Triumph. Like, that, <laughs> it would take too much explaining. And, and if she were to then hear that song, yeah, I, it wouldn't make sense. You know, that's not who I made it for. So it, it's like, um, I think it was Gene Smith. Uh, told me one time, somebody was asking her like, well, how would you describe your music to my aunt? From, she's from Mecca Normal. She's like, I wouldn't. Yeah, yeah, Gene from Mecca Normal. Like I didn't make it for her. Yeah, like I didn't make it for her. And that changed my whole thing where it's like, I had this life that was really, really cool and important to me, but I don't have to share it with people who wouldn't understand it. You know what I I don't know if that makes sense or not, but it was like, took me a while to get to that point where I'm like, that meme or whatever, where the guy's standing in the corner of the party and he's saying, these guys don't even know I have a big bubble in my heart as really me I'm like these people don't understand who I am or what I'm capable of right but I also <laughs> never tell anybody so I just expect people to figure it out by looking at me and then once I got over that or passed not over past like yeah, the people that like it or find it still 
And if they yeah. want to find me, I'm, I mean, I know I probably have a reputation of hiding out in the woods and stuff, but that's, <laughs> you can find me. Like, I'm fine to be yeah, yeah. And I, you found me. It took four years. It only took four years. <laughs> it, took but, me, it took me a bit. Oh, I might find exactly. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I, that's what I think about Godhead Silo. Like, I mean, it, it, I mean, we talk about all this stuff and all these bands, and I just was so lucky to make friends with the people that I was envying bands with, people really truly care about. And still care about, you know, Dan and I, we were friends in, uh, we started being BMX buddies in like 1985. Wow. And yeah, and it only met because I rode my bike past his house by accident. I was completely lost. Past house by accident. This big face down. I was like, "Hey, meet us here tomorrow at noon or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, if I can find my way back, sure." <laughs> and then I met him, and it was like, "Yeah." I mean, I was. I think I was four. Yeah. So eighty-five. I was fourteen. He was twelve or thirteen. And we just. I mean, we're still. Buddy. I mean, we're still really. I mean, he's the best friend I'll ever have and ever had, and. We were lucky that part of the shit we got into was got to make records, you know, because we were gonna, we were making mischief. <laughs> more more mischief based. We were being idiots anyway together, and it was, we were lucky to figure out to play music together. And yeah, you know, I mean, if people like it, that's awesome. I liked it, and Dan liked it. And like at that time, it was pretty much what was important, you know. What was there a, like a moment or band that kind of made you think, "I want to play. I wanted. I want to try to make noises like this. I want, or I want to try to make noises in a similar capacity or fashion that this that this does." Like, was there a band that kind of put you down that path? Band or bands? yeah, I mean, so as a kid. As a kid, I can remember, I was always really into music, like a little, little kid, like five, six years old. <clears throat> but I remember, I can remember thinking, there's a sound out there for me. Right. I don't know what it is. And I remember seeing this, it was like a KTEL commercial, and it had an Anne Marie song on it called um, Walk Right Back to Me. This minute, bring your love to me. Don't send it. Yeah, but yeah, they only know. play the part that goes, walk right back. This minute. And I'm like, ooh, the walk right back. That part. That's what I want. I want a whole record that's just that. Just that part. But I was like, yeah. But I was like seven years old or eight years old. And I went and bought that record at a flea market. And like, I don't know, Anne Marie, that's not it. Like, I just want that one part to, like, skate. So I knew there was punk rock sounds or whatever for me, but I didn't know. I mean, I was living in the middle of nowhere in North Dakota, 50 miles from the nearest record store. Um, and I was lucky enough to have this cousin, my cousin Pat Perry, dude. He was a skater in Fargo, and he was able, he was really into music. And uh, we would go to his house for like Thanksgiving and stuff. And I would tape his records. Like I couldn't ever afford to oh, buy nice. records, but I would. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so I just take that record, swallowed it with crazy shit, like counterfeit on one side, and like charge GB8 on the other side. And those would be my records for the year, right? Right. So I, and I didn't hear a difference between charge GB8, like straight edge and, you know, big women or whatever. It was like, I didn't know the difference. I just knew the, like, I'm more like a textural person, like, I really like to feel music and feel sound. And then once I started figuring that stuff out, I never really thought I would play music. I was really into, you know, I skated, did an IMX. I listened to a lot of different stuff. And then when I went to college in 1989, I saw this band called, um, they're called The Floored, mm -hmm. which was most of the guys from Hammerhead. They played at college, and uh, me and my buddy Andrew were the only people there. And I was just like, I'd never heard or seen anything in person, you know, because, yeah, you know, the towns I lived down, like 42 people in them, and we live 20 miles outside that town or whatever, you know, I was not going to see punk rock <laughs> bands. Ever. Yeah, exactly. and, uh, <laughs> it was not yeah. yeah, yeah. So I saw them, and the guy, so Paul Sanders, who is the guitar player in Hammerhead, was the bass player in Florida. He said, like, oh, somebody please buy me an ice cold Coca Cola classic. And so I ran up to the soda machine, bought a Coke, gave it to him. He took a drink, set it on his amp, and like hit a note, and it just went boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Somebody please buy me ice cold Coca-Cola classic. And I was like, yeah. And I was so stoked. We did it like four times. And I just thought, like, the I can't explain, like, how that, what an impression that made on me. And then, like, a year later, a year later, he he sat in front of me in the film studies class. Then, and I was just like, oh, my God. That's the big player from Florida. Like I, I get starstruck really easily, and I was just like, "Whoa!" And I got somebody to introduce me to him, and he was like, "Yeah, you should come to my house and get an amp. Like I'll show you." I was like, "To do what?" Was like you play bass. I was like, "What are you talking about?" And uh, yeah, I went to his apartment, and he gave me an amp and a cabinet, and. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I had my friend Andrew show me how he to hold a pick. That was a, that's, yeah. wow. But eventually, that's so, eventually, so, like, Floored, there's all this Minneapolis shit that comes up. So, like, Floored got, I think the cows saw Floored. And afterward, come to Minneapolis open form or something like that. Like, the guitar player, Andy, uh, couldn't make it because he had to work. Okay. And they had all these other bands. They had, I think one was called December's Children or something, and Floor and Hammerhead was basically the same three or four people with rotated instruments. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they just went as Hammerhead instead of Floor. And then they were like, I'm sure probably Hazelmeyer saw them at that show. And then that's when that 
all started, but to practice for those shows, they didn't have practice. But so they practiced in my mom's basement. And uh, <laughs> so I, yeah. So I sat there. And like I said, I, I mean, you can tell if you ever saw any of my bands live, like I like oh, yeah. really loud music because I, I like to feel it. And having Hammerhead practice in my mom's basement for like yeah. two weeks straight or whatever it was, I'd just sit on the floor like in the middle of it. And it was that, I mean, I talk about life changing moments. I was just like, I need to, I, I want to feel this always. Like I, if I could be in a permanent state of that moment, um, I still like Hammerhead got it solid Hammerhead played together like six years ago and I, I just was crying and just like, <laughs> like there's something about their sound that is just I can't listen to it anymore because it makes me really upset because I have a lot of feelings like attached to sure like nostalgic sure. Um, anxiety or whatever I don't know how to explain it but if I listen to that music it's it's like painful it's sad um really but uh, and i love that band. yeah hammerhead super important part of and just the greatest thing to ever come out of north dakota i mean yeah pretty i, I, just, I caught i don't know well and uh, like like for real out of nowhere right so like you have hammerhead which was all that shit was like pre Nirvana, so like pre ninety one, sure. When Nirvana happened, it changed being a rural punk. So pre Nirvana, being a rural punk, your your next person who might know who Seven Seconds was or Mothra was was probably fifty miles away from you, and there was probably one of them, and they were also getting the shit kicked out of them for. A, the music yeah it wasn't right? cool right. it wasn't cool to be <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah and so after nirvana hit it became easier for the b-roll punks and like out of my high school there's a bunch of rad rad artists and musicians um and they came out like three grades below i mean the school it has like 90 people in it total and a tiny tiny town North Dakota, and there's all this talent there that probably wouldn't have found punk rock if Nirvana hadn't like eased it so that people could have blue hair or mohawks or whatever. Um, but so Hammerhead, they were ahead of that. So they were playing shows in this college town, Moorhead, Minnesota, and like getting pictures of beer poured on their head. Like it's real punk. Like. Right. in fights over what kind of music you're playing like it's or how it's dare you make yeah <laughs> oh yeah we got some of that too we were all like we were after right like we weren't so for yeah there's a lot of really cool music in fargo and moorhead and it all none of it like the path was truly paved by Hammerhead and their group friends, which I kind of got into, but like I, I'm the baby, you know what I mean? Like I'm the, 
I'm like two or three years younger and like just showed up. Like, hey, yeah, I love music. Let's practice my mom's house, you know. I mean, that was basically me in Bay Area. Like, you know, I was class behind Steel Yeah, for sure. All that. So, like, and I was like, mm. hey, guys, how's it going? You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm lucky, you know. Like I said, got really lucky to be a part of it and be so close to it, you know. Yeah. Ended up forming a band with, uh, so my first band was called, uh, I noticed you didn't have it on the list, but it was called Butt Chuck. And the <laughs> Butt Chuck. I don't actually know that one. Yeah. That's, I thought I knew them all, but I guess I didn't know that yeah, one. Yeah, they're fine. Butt Chuck, actually, so it was me on bass, Paul Erickson from Hammerhead. He oh, played nice. drums, and then and he's an amazing drummer. And um, so I hear, yeah, guy from Winter, who was a yeah, yeah. Winter was in um, Fireballs of Freedom. I don't, do you know Fireballs of yeah, Freedom? Yeah, of that course. Band? Yes. Yes, I yes, do. So Paul Winter, yeah. So like we all ended up like going to, like something better than Butt Chuck. Hard to believe, but. Yeah, but Chuck was awesome. That uh, it was awesome. It was so much fun. Like, but Chuck was so much fun. Somebody gave Winner the tapes. There was like we made a four track tape, and we made a movie. That was really cool, like a concert video. And because uh, we figured out we could rent the Moose Lodge for it was like fifty dollars or something. Right. That opens up a whole different and, world, right? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> you, you know, you talk like North Dakota. Kids just want something to do. Like the band doesn't have to be good. Like it doesn't have to be any good yeah. it's for a bonus the kids to is, come out. Scary at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we 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 would play at the Moose Lodge for three or five dollars or whatever, and it would always be Butt Chuck and Hammerhead together. Cause we shared a practice spot, we shared equipment, we shared members and uh, like 200 people would come out. Nice. And be like, yeah. And for the longest time, that was it. like that's like, why would you strive to do anything beyond that? Do you know what I mean? Like it was, that sounds, that sounds great now. Like yeah. can I go do that yeah, next totally. week? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, um, and Dan from God His Style at the time, he wasn't playing music. He never played music. He was doing this really long-running fanzine called Burnt Toast that we kind of started together when, like, in 1986 or so. I had a poem on the co- – like, the cover was a poem about toast that I wrote. It was so stupid. And um, <laughs> but he kept it going. And it ended up being about, like, skateboarding, BMX. And then there's like a local music scene actually happening. And then so he, Berto started like having interviews and stuff with bands. And um, and then Dan started promoting shows, which he was really, really, really good at. Because we figured out that like bands were driving from Minneapolis to Seattle. Yeah. And they no didn't shows. know with no show in between. So perfect opportunity, yeah. right? <laughs> and then you'd be like, and it would be like any band, it didn't matter who it was, could come to Fargo and get, you put, so like Butt Chuck on the bill, or there was this really great 
not really like not great, but like great group of guys. This high school band called Camel Paw from Fargo South. <laughs> These terrible names. These are Paw, but check. I love it. <laughs> yeah, North Dakota. Yeah. And uh, so if you Camel Paw on the bill, they were from the huge high school in Fargo that had like 1,500 kids. They would just poster the shit out of the high school. And you would have like a band from Minneapolis that in Minneapolis might have 50 people come to a show. They come to Fargo and like 400 people come. Yeah. Like it's a line around the block, sold out, middle of winter. And they're just like, what the fuck? is like what's going on and then based on bill but checking camel paw and they're it's like we all thought it was totally normal you know like north dakota i think yeah. is really strange and it's probably less strange now cause people have access to the internet and stuff but you know you're on an island and stuff gets filtered so like even like the beastie boys or nirvana or whatever it got filtered through like all that snow and isolation to some make some pretty weird kids, you know? And then when bands come from town, there's like 300 of these weird kids like going apeshit because they think it's because of their band. It's not, but honestly, it's because there's nothing else. There's just nothing do. else to do. <laughs> yeah, and it's three bucks and it's 80 degrees inside and it's, it's minus 20 outside so yeah like yeah that's what you know hammerhead they they really and it i think one of those guys probably paul erickson told me that uh it's always better to be in bands with your friends who can't play than assholes who can because like you're gonna be in situations where kind of doesn't matter if the guy can play drums or not, but it really matters if he's a fucking asshole. And uh, when Butchuck disintegrated, because Paul, they were moving it, Hammerhead and off, you know, and moving Minneapolis. Um, I didn't want to move Minneapolis, but I talked to Dan and I was like, dude, this is like, we've been buddies forever. You should buy some drums. Let's figure this out, you know? Right. And so he bought drum set off the drummer from Hammerhead, you know, so I, they, it, had they been total dicks to me from the start, I, I probably wouldn't have even pursued it, you know, like I, wow, that's, I didn't have, I mean, I just wouldn't know, you don't, I don't know how to, how do you do it? Like, where do you get a guitar? Like, I don't know. I'm not trying to sound stupid, but it, never occurred to me that that was like that i would record like i was a consumer and a yeah. fan i wasn't ever thinking i had something important to say you know i still don't but well, it's but it's me it's amazing to me and a, a few things i want to kind of hit on is that i really am what you yeah. say resonates big time that some of the coolest most interesting bands definitely just come out of isolation like the fact that you have to create your mm -hmm. own entertainment there's there's no other option 
you know, and this is especially in the days before you had like Netflix and Hulu and, you know, HBO Max or what or whatever and and uh all the social media to doom scroll through your day with that if you wanted to ha- you wanted to like just not die of boredom necessarily like you had to create your own entertainment and then I loved and something that I think is is kind of getting lost unfortunately when there would be these sort of petri dishes of different areas in the world where it sounded like nothing else. Like there was nothing that would sound like a Missoula, Montana band or like a band from like, you know, West Texas or something. You're like, where did you, how did you come? Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's that's something I remembered. I, um, we had the cows come down. So like with Rhonda and the Moose Lodge, like after Nirvana blew up and the Moose Lodge was doing so good, there there was this guy who opened a, it was like a teen dance club or something in Fargo in the where, warehouse type thing. It was in a business park, wasn't like a North Dakota warehouse is like a pole barn. It's not like a concrete building or whatever. And right. I think it was going to be like a dance club and then Nirvana happened. So they didn't know what to do with this space because People didn't want to come here dance music. So Dan, of course, started booking shows there. And we had cows come down. And I don't know if they had heard about us or what was going on, but they came down and, you yes. know, we were pretty raw. I mean, pretty raw the whole time. We were, we were uh, maybe more disorganized or something. And we sound checked and, uh, I got off the stage after sound checking and I was walking out to the van or whatever and Shannon like popped out from behind this pole and grabbed me by the shirt and slammed me up against the wall. And I was like, fuck, that's you know, you know Shannon, right? From the yeah, cows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. He just sat in with us. Scared the shit out of me. Slam me against yeah. the wall and he just starts going, You're from Texas. You're from Texas. You're from Texas. And I'm like, oh man, my mom lives right over there. Like, I'm not, I'm not from Texas. Like, I don't know what. I was like, no, my mom's like four blocks away. Like, I'm from right here. I'm from right. No, 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 I'm not from Texas. Like, I didn't know what we were arguing about. <laughs> I talked to him about it a year later, and he was like, no, I'm trying to give you a compliment. Like, you're, like your band is weird enough that it could be from Texas is what he was saying. Like, you guys are so weird. <laughs> we expect to see that in Texas, not North Dakota. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's such, like, Just decided so to do the most- you know, yeah. but at the time, <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, Shannon, he Shannon had the best move I've ever seen. We were playing, we were playing with them in uh, Missouri or somewhere. And there was this guy just fucking with them, fucking with them. So Shannon grabbed, the bottom of his t-shirt and pulls it over Shannon's head so their face so Shannon's head goes through the guy's neck hole and is right here and then just has the microphone so both their head like the guy's trying to run away and Shannon's like stuck to his face yeah this is awesome yeah I love that because I'm not yeah like I'm we're confrontational and it's like 
like it was painful to watch us sometimes because it was super loud but i'm not i don't want conflict i'm not confrontational and so like traveling and playing with the cows was just a treat it was just every night was something different and same thing with the melvins where yeah they just don't take shit i take shit like i'm fine just i don't care like it's gonna if you don't like it it's gonna be over soon like you know, go play pool or whatever, but close, close uh, your eyes. Guys not, was, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like we don't play for very long because we knew we were bumming people out. You know, it's like right, right. we'll play for 15 minutes and stop, but it'll be like it'll be minutes worth of sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah crammed into 15 minutes. So you talked earlier about. And, and first of all, that's amazing. And, and, and uh, yeah, all, all love to Cows and Melvin, of course, uh, I guess without saying. Uh, the idea of it being like music you can feel, like you can feel it, right? That generally speaking means volume. Volume and pushing air, like larger, larger yeah, and larger, <laughs> as, as, as the, as the uh, saying. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. did you have... So when you start up what what became God in Silo, right? You you know you get you have less people, uh, but you're, you well. We had a guitar player very early on, right? Yeah, we had, started. Uh... Yeah, his name's Phil. He's awesome, super sweet guy. But we had a show booked, and I mean, I say a show. We were playing in somebody's living room or whatever, <laughs> and uh, awesome. Phil the next day. And Phil didn't want to stay out late. And we were like, like, this may come up more if we talk about all my bands, but from the start, I'm, and in my life, if I say I'm good, I do it. Yeah. Um, and I'm, when I play music, I'm not fucking around. Like, I'm making it, I might be funny, but I don't fuck around. So, like, if you say you're going to be at practice, you are at practice because I'm, I'm at practice, and uh, didn't want to make. He couldn't make the show. Dan and I were like, "Let's see what happens. We'll just play without him." You know, like I don't. No, nobody knows the songs. It's not like somebody knows that there's no guitar player. Like these are. Just, I mean, it just was like we we were terrible, but we hadn't. My wife has told me that when we, I mean, I'm going to jump around, sorry, but like that it's like twin speak, you know, how like twins can yeah. talk to each other without, yeah. So Dan and I have something like that and we've had since 1985. So the extra guy was going to be trouble anyway. You know, it, eventually it would have been nice to have a, third person to vote on some stuff that we had to make decisions on but sure yeah <laughs> it's like music you know and it's like and i also and dan we always worked really hard not to rip anybody off so like if we had a part that was too much like the melvins or hammerhead we would either like we were really because we knew we were like, traveling on the same road as these bands, but wanted to 
like at least we hear the difference and we know we put the effort into like sure figuring out something that hadn't happened yet right so happy accident not happy fill right but for dan and i it's you know phil can make it uh dan and i played without him and then that was it like we 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 tried out this guy owen murphy who um he came and played guitar and just was weird like we had started playing just new people we were like oh this is enough and yeah once i started figuring out how to make make it loud which was really expensive and <laughs> i caught so much shit in really heavy yeah oh yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I had three jobs i had three jobs and uh i stole all my food from i worked at a pizza place and i because I didn't have a penny left. I was, is amps, 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 catch it on fire, amps. Like, why, oh, why can't I wear all these speakers together? Now I know about homage and lows and shit. I'd be like, oh, I hate solid state. I hate solid state. So I'd buy all these huge tube amps and then hook like 615s up to one output. And it would just like, Ooh, like yeah. catch on fire and then we're like, oh, oh there's another little Caesar paycheck you know yeah. <laughs> and then he had a show like I said I'll jump around but this kind of ties in like all that band all came and played in Fargo yeah 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 and Dan I opened Dan and I for him and we were still pretty pretty new but it seemed like the weirder we were, the better people from Fargo liked it because we were weird in like a North Dakota way. Yeah. So it oh, I've learned since like going back, people attached, like it made sense to them mm-hmm. and it made sense to Dan and I, and we would get places where it would not make sense to people. And we'd be like, like, what don't you get? It's like, this is this is a perfect note or whatever and just like you can speak in english you know it just anyway so for all we 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 had this thing we would do where like they're huge band we're playing at the elks lodge which is like six or eight hundred people uh we're like they know shit of fargo let's make them think all the punks in fargo do this and on this trip it was we all wore blazers and smoked pipes and had these wigs so when all showed up <laughs> like all the cool kids backstage and the opening band we're all smoking pipes and be like yo what's up you know they just walking past us loading equipment and like yo, what's up you know smoking pipes and then we would say we'd make up this thing and it was that uh, just say everything's cougar. God, it's just cougar, dude. No, it's just oh, cougar. Like cougar's cool. Cougar was bad. Cougar, because we were trying to make it travel, right? So like, yeah. If you could meme it out, yeah. <laughs> it was all pin pals and shit like that at the time. It wasn't the internet. So like, maybe all goes to Seattle, and they're just like, man, that dude, this pizza is cougar. And somebody in Seattle hears them say it's cougar, 
and the guys in all are like, dude, those blazers and wigs and pipes, that's that's punk. And then yeah. you start, <laughs> and then uh, they got so mad at us when they found out we were, because we had told them, like, Dan's wig was terrible. Like, he just looked like shit. <laughs> and we played, and I think we got through one song before Animal caught on fire and like really caught on fire. And I threw my bass. I remember I had a 20-foot cord, and I threw my bass so high that the jack snapped. So, like, I threw it over 20 feet in the air. It landed. Amps are just, there's smoke everywhere. Dan had brought a guitar, and he brings acoustic guitar out and just starts smashing it on the drum set. And uh, his wig fell off. But we had told all that uh, Dan had been in this accident and lost a bunch of his hair. So we were all kind of wearing wigs to support him. And it like, was, yeah. we made them think it was like the serious thing and when his wig fell off and they got so mad at us that was, I mean, it was so I, like so it's it was weird because like none of us drank alcohol or anything or you know we were just bored in north dakota yeah with like really active minds you know so and young and full of ideas and nobody stopping you from implementing those ideas like later on we had to stop like tone down a little bit because you can't spend like we got a hundred bucks for that show and it probably cost me like eight hundred dollars in amps you know but yeah it's pricey i mean at the time and so and we were saying stuff but i didn't think i would be 50 years old talking about it but we're like oh this is going to be a story like we just want a story and eventually i met I ran into, there was another band on that show called My Name, which was touring with all. Mm-hmm. And I ran into one of those guys and he said, you know, I, he still had a guy shirt. And he said, every time I put this on, I just trip out because that show was so fucked up. He said they talked about it for the whole tour. Like both <laughs> were like, which part of that was real? Which part of that was fake? Do the kids right. really wear wigs in Fargo and blazers? Like, are really smoking pipes? Was that fake? <laughs> yeah, so, and that's. And we weren't thinking like, oh, making art or whatever. We were like, this is going to be funny. Like, we don't even know what's going to happen, but it's going to be. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Was, yeah, yeah, not even interesting. Like, just really, it was just really, really funny. And, you know, we also are not, I, I mean, we got serious eventually, but we never really took ourselves that seriously. So when you have these bands, like, you know, all is great, but man, they were not cool to us when they showed up. And it's just like, oops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you. You know, it's like, you had been super cool when they showed up, I probably would have, maybe we would have let them in on it, you know, but right. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's the way it is. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes I mean, I don't, yeah, there's a lot. But Dan and I got into a lot of that. One of our slang terms was he just started, Dan started saying dismet all the time, like D E 
SMET, which I think is the town that Little House on the Prairie takes place <laughs> in. And Dan would just say, mm, oh, Smith. That shit's just met. And people would just be like, what is he even talking about? And then on our first <laughs> tour with Unwound, we were, so we had moved to Olympia and we were going out with Unwound and we passed, we're on the interstate at like two morning and there's a dismet time. So we hopped out of the van and chopped it down with the, this dull hatchet <laughs> that we kept under the and we showed up. Yeah, I mean, at the time it was like one guy's on lookout, the other guy's chopping this road sign down, and it wouldn't fit in them. So, because like we ended up with like 15 feet of pole with this giant road sign that said Dismet on it. Yeah. So it had to, the pole had to go between the front seats all the way to the windshield, and we showed up the house or wherever we were staying unwound for the next show and they're like what are you, what are you guys doing and we're like oh we got check this out and we pull this like interstate sign out of the van with like 15 feet of you know first show or whatever so we got weeks and weeks left to have a stupid thing in the van and it's just and, at uh, large and yeah <laughs> yeah Amazing. And they were just like, yeah. So that's when we would do stuff like that, we would like, if you're just hanging out with your best friend from when you were 15 and other people start thinking your jokes are funny, it's not totally healthy for like normal relationships. So you chop down highway signs when you get to the show and you think your buddy's gonna be like yeah man like I, yeah you chopped it down like dan says this met all the time of course you chopped it down <laughs> why they wouldn't were, you unwound was just like yeah i mean i still like it still might i actually have it in the barn i still have that sign but yeah i mean and that's i don't know i'm i know i'm jumping around like crazy but that it's fine Stuff that I remember that I don't ever have anybody to talk to about that hasn't heard it. So, so tell, so tell me about uh, the Friendship Village EP, that first EP, when you when you first. Yeah, that's the first. Uh, one. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, so tell I mean. Yeah, song titles don't have much to do with the content of the song, so sometimes I have trouble remembering. I just remember the one with the woman that has the okay on her on her. Okay, yeah. So I <laughs> I didn't make that art. I found I found a picture on the floor of a drugstore, I think in Chicago or somewhere. Nice. Just like that. And I was like, oh, that's the record cover. Like, oh yeah, like that. To me, it seemed perfect. And then on the back, I think, is a card of, they were called Spud Nuts, which are potatoes made out, or donuts made out of potatoes. That uh, I just thought was a nice picture, made sense. And the Friendship Village, that stuff, what was the deal? So we, we were playing shows in Fargo and booking shows, and bands came through that we 
I it would was on the bill because it just made sense and sure. Um, trying to think. So Dan booked a Fugazi Nation of Ulysses show. Nice. And nice. I was wearing. I don't know if you ever saw that Melvin's shirt that said "Fuck Melvin's" on the front and louder than Soundgarden on the back. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That, yes. I did actually see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So probably like 89, 89 or 90 or maybe 91 or something. But so I was wearing that shirt at the Fugazi show. Yeah. And Tim Green, who eventually helped us record and stuff and became really good friends with, he was playing guitar in Nathan of the Ulysses and just looking at my shirt the whole time. <laughs> trying to figure it out. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, what? Like what? Yeah, what? Like he's mean mugging me, you know? And I was like, what? And he came up to me after the show and he's like, so like you hate the Melvins that much that you made that shirt? Like he did, was super confused by it. Like, no, I got it from the Melvins. Like made it. And uh and then he's like, what is going on here? You know, so he and I became pen pals. And we would send tapes and stuff back and forth to each other from DC. And then Bikiko came through with Nation of Ulysses. And we, of course, opened for him. And then Bikini Kill came through again. And Toby, Dan and I were like trying to figure out what to do because it was really fun, but it started to seem like we maybe, like, we always thought there was another band just like us mm -hmm. in the yeah. next town over, you know, because like, we we're that isolated. Yeah. Why and wouldn't you? It was yeah. easy. It was, it was like, yeah. Right. Like, couldn't you just be a band like that? Like, the shit's off all equipment's from the 70s. Like, you have had access to it this whole time. You could have just done it. So we just figured there was somebody smarter than us next town over doing the exact same thing. And then bands would come through and be like, no, you guys are weird. That's, this is not really weird. weird. <laughs> no, yeah, this is not normal. Nobody is doing Toby, it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we figured out. So then bands would take us on little tiny trips. So like if they were playing Minneapolis, um, like Bikini Kill took us, which if you can imagine, it's like that's two or whatever. That's a good mix, right? To us and Bikini Kill, it made perfect sense. And Perfect. if you have an open mind, there were people at that show that, like, that's what it clicked. Like, both bands, right? It made perfect sense to, and I'd still know some of the people that were at that show, because it was, sure. like, I mean, and so Toby was like, you guys should be on this. My friend has this label, Kill Rock Stars. You should be on Kill Rock Stars. And we're like, yeah, okay, well, you know, whatever. Yeah, I promise we'll put a single on, put a song on the new comp. I was like, all right. So Dan and I are like, all right, we're signed to Kill Rockstars. Like, I don't, we just thought we were done. Like, we'd made it, you know? And that's a contract. Because <laughs> right. the drummer from Viking Hill says you're on this label that you don't own. Yeah. So we went to Minneapolis and recorded in the band church uh, with that guy, Owen Murphy. And their bats flying around it was nuts. And we did work track 
and that song is called Nutritious Treat, and that was on Stars Kill Rock. And then they liked it enough, or we were forceful enough that we decided to move to like I don't know. So they had agreed to like do a seven inch. So we those songs were all written in North Dakota, and then by the time we got out there, we were like. Let's go. Like, yeah, we're ready to put this out, put out this album. Like, we have an album's worth of shit. Like, we thought we were recruited to come to Libya to be on this record label, but I don't think anybody really told the record label that that was happening. So, yeah, you yeah. think that'd be a Luckily, it totally worked out. <laughs> totally worked out. Like, yeah, here's this band that, like, four of us have ever seen. And they think they're moving here to a, like, moving into an established scene, right? Mm -hmm. And we're just jumping ahead of bands in yeah. line for killing yeah, yeah. stars. Yeah. So, and then working out. Yeah, that record, I know we were just figuring it out. We recorded with this guy, Mike Lastra, in Portland. And I, I really love rules. I think I'm just that. I love rules, and like, that's one reason the band was so good. It's like I like constraints and like trying to figure out what I can fit in those constraints. And so, never wanted to make a record with overdubs because I didn't want to. I felt like it sounds really naive now, but I was like, that's lying. Like you're lying. You can't really make that noise. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't fully understand what because I was like, we were getting shit for not having a guitar player when we would play live and people didn't know who we were. Um, that I felt like if there was two bass lines on the record at the same time, like you're lying. Then you need another bass player to make that much, or to make those particular sounds. So we recorded that in the, the whole thing in a day, I'm sure. Mixed it same day, probably for like 150 bucks or whatever it was. Um, it was awesome. I mean, I don't know. I like the record, I think. Yeah. It's when good. it sounds really, it sounds terrible. Don't listen to that I mean, type of music. Yeah, it's, it's, but it's I, what it is. You know, the, it's, it's, it's yeah, I think every record of ours has filler on it, including that one. But I think that song, French Village is like what I consider the hit or whatever for us, where yeah. it's quiet and it's loud. It's really quiet and it's really loud. And like, it really, like we like, Doing stuff, people call them fillers when we play. Like you're call playing what? along quietly. Drink, drink spillers. Because when you, okay, <laughs> like when I hit it, yeah, yeah, no, I know. Like when mean. I hit it, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's in the name. Yeah, so we stop. We we stop counting. We don't count into songs at, for this first song. We just look at each other and start because we want drinks to like, like it turned into a thing. Like the bass, the cabinets I was using at the time. Yeah. So like I had, 
for eight fourteens and the and I was in all these like subharmonic frequencies on purpose. And it would the waves weren't coming together on stage. So like you couldn't really hear like the super low end on stage because the waves waveforms were so long. They were making the sound thirty feet away from me. But I could hit an E and watch people shit slide down the bar. You know? That was always super fun. Or I could stand in front of it. Like I stand in front of this one cabinet I had and my well I got too close. My vision would go. It would, it would shake my head so much I couldn't see. And um, <laughs> but my pants would be moving. Yeah, you could like feel I, you. I could like the cross move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I couldn't. I couldn't hear the sound, but I could see it. Like yeah. moving the pressure waves were moving my pants. Yeah, that was the best. It was the best. Like I. My friend Bob I'm says for it now for sure. He calls that the kill zone is what is what he calls that. Yeah, I <laughs> there's stuff now that the uh they call them sound baths or something. People have they go into the woods and have a sound bath. It's a thing. I'm always like, yeah, like that's that was me. Yeah. That's that every night. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. Yeah, I mean, you're making me miss it now. I don't really play anymore, but that's just the best. Not, what was not, oh. Yeah, not to sound egotistical, but like my sound, Yeah, that's me. I And I, I love it. It took me a really long time to figure it out. And once I figured it out, I was like, oh, I stand in front of it all day. I just love it. What was it? I think it was Scientific Super Cake where there was that um, that review about it. Like, oh yeah, it can literally destroy your speakers or something along those lines. Yeah, like, it was it, really it broke some guys' woofers. Yeah, that wasn't even bass that did that. That was I was really into making tape loops at the time, so I would yeah. cut these super super long reel to reel loops and have like nails in the ceiling and everything and have these loops running all over our apartment and speeding uh, them up and slowing them down. And I think I did had all these sound effects records and one of them had like a boulder scraping on the ground. So I recorded that at 16 RPMs instead of 33 and then made a tape loop of it that went around the house and then would like manipulate it with my fingers so it was even slower. Right. And we were making that record. Oh, I'm just remembering this. So we were mixing it. I love that. And everybody got diarrhea. So everybody in the mixing room got sick, but we couldn't hear it. Yeah, because the notes were so low. Uh, we, the guy in the studio was like, look at, look at my woofers. And like we turned around because we were like, everybody's like running to the bathroom and then coming back to mix it. Because that song's super long too. <laughs> That's that's and, uh, uh, is. yeah, yeah, and I that song too. I had four. I made a bass just for that one song that had four, like B strings or like the super fast, oh, like one yeah, fives or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all tuned to the same thing. And then oh my god, I, there is a little riff in that song. I think 
but for the most part, like I remember, I threw it on the floor and was screaming into the base. Uh, but we figured it out because like woofers were popping on the studio monitors, but you couldn't hear the sound. Right. But you could get you. We were all getting sick. So the guy, Mike Lastra, who's, who's awesome, dude, he was there. We're below 20 hertz or whatever it makes you, like, we'll rupture your something or whatever. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but we didn't know about that. Like, I, I mean, I probably had, like, read the brown note, yeah. but never made myself. <laughs> By it. accident. Accidentally discovered it. And, the dark uh, yeah. I mean, we had. We had shit like uh, we played at Jabberjaw in LA one time, and this huge chunk of the ceiling fell down on the crowd, just from like the, you know, mm. that was awesome. super fun. You know, I good times. Yeah. I don't know how to. It's making me really happy to talk about it because I mean, seriously, like I just I have a job, I work, I don't yeah. talk about it. And, uh, well, fun. For, for a time, uh, you guys were the loudest band that I had ever seen. Uh, I, I later toured the Juice of yeah. Rome, but yeah, like it's yeah, Godhead Silo is still almost a parody. Then there's another band that I will not name their name because they're they're not any good, but they definitely had the volume. Uh, and well, I was like, oh, you're, you're trying to do Godhead yeah, Silo. Juice of great. <laughs> not Juice yeah. of Rome, not yeah. other bands. I mean, I. Yeah, and at the time, that just wasn't a thing, you no, know. Like people weren't trying to be loud. Yeah, so that was kind of our thing. But to be loud without being dumb, dumb loud. You know? It was very smart. Like yeah, no one's get thing. that. Yeah, well, not even smart. Just not dumb. Like it's not. And like the Melvins get that a lot, where yeah. people like just this one part of the Melvins yep. or one part of your music and it's the simplest, most basic part of your music. Yeah. And then you're like, hmm, like that's the part we kind of don't Yeah, that's like, that's like one that's tiny color part. in the color spectrum. Yeah, it's like, it's exactly, yeah, there's I mean, bands can, at all. Yeah. And it's like, okay, cool, good for you. Yeah. Yeah, and now and it's interesting, sometimes disappointing, to see what people think your band is about, you know? Yeah, because they're like, want to open for you or whatever, and you're just like, ooh, yeah, that's not what I meant. Why? Yeah, so that's it. Everybody can go out and buy amps. Like, go buy amps. Be loud. Like, but yeah. be loud and original or be loud and good? Probably not anymore. I mean, now it's just the norm to have way bigger stacks than I had, you know? I think it's more norm. It's more normalized now. I don't know. I feel like it's more normalized now than it, than it used to be. But then also I feel like people are going smaller mm -hmm. too. And like, that's becoming more normal. Yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah, I mean the Napalm Death, the guy, the bass player from Napalm Death, doesn't even bring an amp. Yeah, but he's it's... got a bass pedal, and he's he's like, "What are you doing?" I like amps, and he's like, "Look on the stage; those are all amps. Like the it's the PA. Like you can crank the monitors. Wire he's does like, the same I can thing. get on the plane. 
Yeah. And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't, I, I think I'm, you know, I like, I like it having to be really, really heavy equipment to make the sounds that I liked. So, like, it should yeah. be work. It should be work to get it all on stage and put it together, you know? Yeah. That, that means a little more. I don't know. Yeah, I say that now because I'm not actively doing it. But if I, you know, next week I'll be like, no, it isn't. It, that's right. important. <laughs> oh, I still have all that shit in the barn, and I, if I have to move the amps around for some reason, it's just what am I thinking? Like, how? Why do I own this? Why did I ever own it? You know, like so, yeah. so heavy. Just a bunch of boat anchors at this point. Yeah. My 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 favorite move was like, oh, we've got a basement. Cool, I'll put all the cabs down there, and then like, oh, they need to come yeah. back up too. Yeah, oh. the heaviest, heaviest thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that part of it. That yeah. was great until then. Hey, uh, the the inner capping, the S being capitalized. What where where did that pop up? Yeah. Ooh, inner capping. Is that what that's called? I think that's if what that's called. A- Cool. Um, I think I was probably ripping off steel, so steel pole bathtub, Godhead silo, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, the original logo I had made was uh, people call it like ransom letters, where you cut the letter out of the earth, yeah. whatever. And, yeah, so I did it like that, and I did it with a capital S. Don't know why. And it kind of stuck, and we got into all this stuff. But Dan, mom, didn't like us to have the word God in the band name. I was like, why not? It's Godhead. This means like a really big silo, which you know, I don't know. It doesn't mean anything. And she was like, why can't you have a nice name? Something like corn. Why can't you just call your band corn? And Dan, like, fucking idiot would call it corn. And, like, you know, 10 years later, like, the biggest band yeah, yeah. in America is called corn. Yeah, well, they're from Bakersfield. Yeah. And she wanted us to be, yeah, and she wanted us to be called, um, I think she wanted us to be called Friends 3 when we were. Three, a three piece. He's like, can't you call yourself friends? Three, your three friends. And they're just like, mm, yeah, no, it's fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that. It was an accident. I, you know, I was. I mean, we were. I personally had a real case of steel bathroom worship at the time. Yeah, they're one of my favorite bands. And that of all first time. record with the. Yeah. I mean, talk about untouchable. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. And that, that one, the record with Marcia Brady on cover was really like everything about it. Yeah. Tape loops. You know, I I was using a dictaphone for a really long time because I, I never saw them play, but I finally figured out that that might've been a dictaphone that he was doing his tape loops on. So I would use a dictaphone and, um, yeah, they just, like, them Hammerhead, and Paul Sanders from Hammerhead is the one who, like, 
handed me that record and he was like you might want to check like if you like hammerhead you should check this out and i was just like oh like that's it like yeah Dale dale and mike were very very patient with me teaching me all of their dark magics uh, radio cool. shack thrift store tapes like they were very patient with in a way that like i'm like i'm so sorry that i was yeah. so annoying because yeah, i'm sure i was very annoying yeah that band and that's one of those bands where you're like it's three geniuses do you know what i mean like there's oh, yeah at least one of them untouchable but like the bass and just swapping singing and the drumming, everything about that band was just perfect me. So I tried to steal as much as I could. And I talked to Dale. He actually married a old friend of mine from my yes. high school, which is oh wow, crazy. small world. <laughs> yes, small world. And I met him, and I said, and he was looking at my stuff, and and you know he plays in the band with Zach. The hand enemy mind for a bit. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, dude. Actually, Zach's so been on jealous. the really, Zach has been on this show, but Dale hasn't. Yeah. Which is very weird, but yeah. Uh, likes, but yeah. I'd love to hear Dale talk about families and just way they thought Someday differently, and you could tell they were from yeah, they were from somewhere else. Yeah. And you could tell. And it and like being from North Dakota, you're you're like, oh, that that the, those three guys found themselves, you know, found each other. Yeah. To make that kind of music, but yeah, I, Dale, we played in Minneapolis, and Dale was looking at my stuff, and he's just like, "This is doesn't make any sense." Like he's just, just looking this face, looking at my pedals, and I was like, <laughs> "It's like scratching his head." I learned from watching you, Dad. Yeah, I was just like, dude, everything, it's all comes from, you know, it's like a lot of it is, there can be like parallel progression, you know, the internet. Yeah, yeah. Before everybody shared everything, you can be parallel, but they were before us, right? So we were super heavily influenced by them. And once we got proficient enough to figure out to stop a yeah. Stop because we were embarrassed. Um, it's the best kind of influence where you don't sound been, like you like. <laughs> you know? Like, oh yeah. Well, you're not good enough you know. to like. Yeah, you're not good enough to play their songs. Like, right. you couldn't sound like them if you wanted. Like, I can't imagine a band that didn't have one of those three. It sounds still laughed at. Like it. Yeah. Yeah. That's an impossible and rare. Like that's like. Buzz and Dale, you know what I mean? Like you, that hardly ever happens that people find each other like that. And I don't, Dan, I in the kind of category of that, but I think we were really lucky to find each other and figure out like one of the things we did together was play music, you know? Yeah. No, and that's, you know, it shows through and through the whole discography. I mean, and there's there's a through line through it. Like if you listen to Elephantitis of the Night, for instance, like all that stuff's from like I guess I guess the eras weren't that different. It was only a couple of years, but it's like, you know, the, the progression of from we got from point A to point yeah. B is notable. But it also yeah, you know, that record 
telepathy yeah. <laughs> that happens. <laughs> yeah, there's something. That record is the best. I mean, for me, that one's the best. And for a lot of that stuff, um, like just the way we wrote lyrics and stuff, we we would write a night before. We never wrote songs with lyrics or lyrics first. So like Scientific Super Cake, we did all the tracking in one day. And then that night we wrote the lyrics to the whole record, basically. Um, and he'd say shit like, uh, like, compared to a phantom, a ghost is a joke. And I go, what the fuck, man? Like, how's your brain work like that? Like, we can make a whole song out of that. And then we did, you know? And it's like, and Dan, and we would do shit like, um, I would write a line, two lines, and paper over so he could only see the second line. Then he would write two lines and fold it over so I can only see like that game you play. Uh, like a yeah, what exquisite corpse? I think is what that is called. If I something like yeah, yeah. So like the first song, the first rock. How those lyrics is like, they kind of don't have anything to do with each other, but every other line, and it was like that's like hyper democratic, you know, where like yeah, the, I write a line, you write a line, and I just whatever's on. The, paper i make it fit and yeah and and we were still i think we were still both writing lyrics on that yellow record the elephantitis of the night i that was a thing dan <laughs> i can remember he was walking train track we were hanging out with harvey milk in athens georgia that band Harvey Milk. Yeah, yeah. Kristen's and, uh, been on the show. Had never uh, seen him. Fantastic. Yeah. Band. So I'd never seen him. He'd never seen him play or anything, but or like you need to meet these guys. Like they are equally weird, you know, like they're trying to connect people. And we were hanging out with Steven Tanner and um, Dan had been drinking. I probably had been drinking and we were walking on these train tracks. And Dan just said, oh, what a night. It's got elephantitis of the night. You know, and I was like, fuck. That's amazing. Dude, that's an album title. Like, yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, his brain, like his mind, totally wasted playing drums. Like his, <laughs> he, he's at all the lyrics of Dan. Dan came up with them. Like he's just, He's the best. And he, yeah, he's the best partner, best practice partner, best lyric writer. Great equipment loader, strong, can carry his shit. <laughs> All the things. Yeah. yeah. He did catch me on fire one time. We were a tour. So when we used to tour early, it was just the two of us. Yeah. So we would drive in shifts and, uh, I was sleeping on the bench in the back of the van and he smoked and he was smoking walking like three in the morning he goes to flick it out the window and it just got sucked back onto my sleeping bag and i was i mean i'm out yeah you're asleep and yeah he, yeah so i wake up to the van like doing 70 swerving all over the place with somebody like, like hitting me 
because he's trying to put out there, but he doesn't want to pull the van over. Yeah. Oh and there's a huge hole burnt in the sleeping bag. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah. uh this is awesome. I mean we can't this will take all night if I start telling danger stories. <laughs> I mean people. Hey, it's, yeah, that would, it, it's a good it's a good mix of stuff here. It's, yeah, this isn't fresh air. You can Yeah, I mean we used to yeah, the first first couple of tours we saved up food stamps because we knew we weren't gonna make any money and we bought our uh shirts in Portland, this Goodwill where you can clothe by the pound. So I would just buy oh, yeah, every T-shirt I could find, store. flip it inside out. Yeah, flip it inside out, print. It was the ant eating turkey or whatever it was my favorite graphic. And print that on there. We didn't have the band name on it. And we'd sell them for a dollar. Yeah. Try to get gas money. And then we would take the food stamps and get a loaf of bread and a pack of meat and just sit in the parking lot i mean yes. I know, since i know this was coming up yeah <laughs> so and i don't know if it's because we were like oh we believe in this thing we're doing like we're you know like i think we would have there's nothing else going on you know it was it was super fun and being hungry or uncomfortable was totally worth it for the, I mean, eventually it wears you out being uncomfortable like that and touring yeah. so much. But those first few tours where we were guessing what to do, where to find food, where to sleep, I mean, it was just awesome. It's, I could never do it best, again. It's but. the best thing in the world when it's the best thing in the world and then when it stops. Yeah, and I'm happy to have had the experience, but again like no way like so tell me a little bit about uh both the that ep that's got the uriah heap cover and then also moving over to sub pop yeah uh he was kind of what killed our band actually we got way way too into uriah heap and we couldn't stop I mean, we would had this I heap tape story, but singing was so ridiculous on it. Oh yeah, yeah. That we, I can remember, we would have to pull over the van because we were both laughing so hard we couldn't drive. Like, I it just was what you're right was like disease that infected both of us and i wish we had been immunized to it like i don't it just i don't know how to explain how into it we were like i don't know why it was your eye heat why but you know, we could not get enough and it made us try to sound like your eye heat and like i said we're so bad at playing like we we had a really hard time doing covers because i don't know how to play music and there's nobody to tune to so i would just tune to myself so the my eastern I, it's whatever sounded right to me like right, that it wasn't sounds e, like it was never e. yeah. yeah and so like trying to relearn songs off the record you're like what the fuck 
like I don't use my pinky so like I know and I play on the dots mostly so it's like if I'm relearning a song I know it's only three fingers and it's probably on the dots but if I use a turn you, like, you have no idea because it's not, not it's not the right note yeah. Mm -mm. And every record's different because I never use the tuner. Like, so I, there's no way to be in tune with. I guess that's so why, true. You know, like I'm tuned with myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in tune with myself. And, but not on purpose, like to throw anybody off that wanted to try to cover their band. I didn't, I didn't understand how tuners work. Like, they seemed really complicated to me. And, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And Hold when on. you're super loud. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And so like it, and when it's super loud and you tune, like the way tune was explained to me, I'm like a really visual person. So it's probably somebody in Hammerhead explained to me that you can hear the waves get closer and closer to each other until they're this they're like parallel lines. And when it's 132 decibels or whatever, like you can, I can see the lines. Yeah. So when I would tune, I would tune at, cause it, I could see, like I could see the sound waves meeting each other and making the same note. And that, for how my brain works, that was, that just made more sense to me than, <laughs> than, Sitting there and being like, looking for, I mean, you look at those tunes and it's like, boo, boo, those chords or whatever everybody was using. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I like, know myself. And I was like, looks like a Cylon. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> that's not for me. That's too complicated. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, sorry, I'm going to forget, forgot your question. Yeah, sub, so, Do you remember so that that oh, sub yeah, so your eye heap, yeah. heap is total poison. Don't listen to it if you want your band <laughs> to stay rad. Um, so, I mean, what happened? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so, we toured with, uh, we did a tour with the Melvins, and then we did a tour back to back so 16 weeks straight with it was like two days off total for the both for 16 weeks where we did one with the melvins and then one with sebado mm -hmm. and at the time this is the way i remember it so we had been out with the melvins came back to olympia and the person to kill rock stars uh, it's like we to me when you're in a band like ours and the melvins take you on tour and it's like 35 shows or whatever that's almost the peak you know what i mean like yeah like made it and we got town and the person who was doing publicity for kill stars at the time was like where you been we've been trying to get a hold of you and i said we've been on tour with the melvins you didn't tell anybody you didn't want to tell somebody Ugh. we're opening for the like <laughs> we thought we made yeah, it kind of a big deal so then on that audience yeah so you know then dan and i are like suffering and 
working hard and doing the 16 weeks and thought we should find like maybe there's something else for us that um because like when we were on kill rock stars at first there's like three or four bands you know and then by the time that happened there's like 15 bands you know and it was a real and i get it like it's like the of the moment like that record came out months ago they're not going to keep promoting that they're promoting what came out today right yeah, so last week whatever yeah 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 or whatever so no hard feelings or anything but and at that time so sebado was on sub I think they had a lot to do with it. And I think to like work really hard or good to have as an opening band. Cause like we show up, like we do our chores, we get out of the way. We always show up, we work hard, we're nice, we don't steal, we don't get wasted, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you tour with a band, you end up making friendships that last lifetime it's like that shared hardship and along with them really well and then this other piece of the puzzle was beck the you know the really famous singer guy beck. yeah yeah I, i'm familiar he yeah. A, yeah he was around at the time he was around olympia bunch oh yeah he, he did that in the show uh, and, he did that one foot in the grave record and uh one, stereo yeah, yeah. yeah. two records yeah yeah, I actually have the shirt that he wear wore in that video. Like that's my shirt. Nice. So anyway, but yeah, this trivia. But so he, he was walking down the street and I was like, Hey Beck, can you tell you Mike, what's up? And I was like, Hey, if you ever need a beatbox, I got you. Like I'm into it. I can do it. But I'd never actually beatboxed before in my life. Like I don't know why I said that. And so the next day he played this sold out show in Olympia, like over the couple of theater old, probably eight hundred people. Yeah, I'm playing. And he just called me up on stage. He's like, "As we might, we're gonna do this jam." And I was like, "Shit, I'd never done it ever in my life. <laughs> like, never practiced." Or... Did you just assume he was so like? I did it. He wasn't gonna like ever call you on it or like <laughs> like what, what i don't know like at that time like yeah i mean i at that time i would i'd say yes to anything i mean i was up for experiences you know and i like hey mike you want to go on tour I'm like yeah i'll sell shirts i don't care i'll trade them for acid if you guys you oh you want me to trade them for acid cool i'll try that acid that's acid sure. i'll get on a bus all right, why not? Yeah. Okay, like I would try. I think because like coming out of North Dakota, there's nothing to try. Like there's nothing, like the experiences got really rote, you know? Right. And so I was like, I'm going to do this. I should try everything. So shit like that, like I'd sit back and it popped in my head like, do you ever need a beatbox? So I got a, I got a mean one. And he's like, cool, tomorrow, show up. And I was like, this is never going to happen. And then I showed up and it totally fucking happened. And it's terrible. But he was into it. 
because it was I don't know it's like sometimes it's hard to find people that don't care how it turns out they just care that you try do you know what I mean yeah 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 mm-hmm. like, yeah no I totally get what you mean and that's I'm the, I'm I'm the the opposite. Uh, I've, that's uh payback I think is what that one's called right it's like I think it's, it's yeah. on that EP if I remember right I have that somewhere well, behind I, Oh, well, so we, whatever the, our song, I think it's on YouTube. Yeah. I know it's on YouTube because I heard it. It's really bad. I, made the, I didn't know what to do for hi-hat sound, so I just said, suck it, but <laughs> falsetto. Because I was like, this would be really funny. I'll just say, suck it, <laughs> instead of making the drums sound. Right. As- well, folks, it's a Bertonic commercial first. This is show, Rangers. It's middle age. That this is a part one of two episode. So, if you want to hear the rest of my conversation with Mr. Mike Kunka from Godhead Silent, well, you're going to have to listen to episode 299, which is the next one up. And uh, yeah, we, we leave no stone unturned to the next one. Stay safe out there. I got my radio on. And take it easy. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now?